Welcome to Consider This Question. This is the fourth installment in a series of six podcasts that accompany our series from Matthew 19 called From the Beginning. And today we talk about the subject of singleness. Uh, There's some really great perspective provided, I think, by the group this morning. So we trust you'll find this information useful. Whether you're married or single, uh, there's something here for everybody. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of Consider This Question. We uh, uh, are in the middle of a series here at Sunnybrook uh, dealing with some uh, issues that come from a statement that Jesus makes in Matthew chapter 19 that from the beginning God created them male and female. And it really has caused us to stop and say, hey, we need to have some conversations about what it means to be a man, a woman, um, what is a healthy understanding of our, uh, our sexuality and sex in general, and, uh, and then talking about singleness. And so that's kind of where we're at on this podcast as we're dealing with that, uh, that fourth topic on singleness. Um, again, in the studio, grateful for these coming in. Uh, I've got uh, Drew Moss, who works in our college ministry and uh, just does a lot of teaching around here. Um, we've got uh, Morgan Weiss, who does, uh, who's been working with our children's ministry, is now getting ready, right? Full transition into, uh, into youth. But uh, you actually also just recently preached on the issue of womanhood. And so uh, you got to hear that particular message. And we have brought the expert back in. She did such a great job on our last podcast. Um, no, okay, but it's like, here's the thing, right? Is I, I'd like to joke around, but when I say these things about Sharon, it's true. It's true. She is very, very, very insightful, very well read. Um, I love sending people to her because she is just very gifted at what she does. So um, that's the problem when you get around too much. So I'm not, I am, I'm serious. Okay. Um, so this issue of singleness is really popular right now. Drew, why? Why is the church um, dealing with this issue? It seems like more often than, yeah. than it used to. Yeah, there are a lot of, uh, a lot more preachers preaching about it. We are for, I think, probably the first time ever. Mm-hmm. Um, there are books and, and articles and all those things. And I, I think there are a few different reasons. The, probably the first and, and biggest is just that in our culture, people are just getting married later and later. And so there are a lot more adults who are single um, than there were before, that people wait until later in their life and, and people are more likely to even go through life just single for, for their life. Um, I think obviously the issue of divorce is one that has, as, as that has really taken so much more root in our society that there are a lot of people facing singleness in that. Um, and I think, um, well, yeah, I, I honestly think that the issue of, of same sex attraction has, has been something that has pushed the church further along as the church has gotten better. Um, 10, 15 years ago, all we knew what to do with with people who are struggling with homosexuality is just be quiet and say, "Yeah, that kind of that's that's scary. That weirds me out." We didn't we we did a we didn't do a great job of loving brothers and sisters who might be struggling with same sex attraction, but were not um, but didn't want to embrace it, right? And and as we're as we're seeing that happen more, we're realizing that there are a lot of people who are wanting to choose holiness, and and that will mean for them if they are dealing with same sex attraction celibacy. And so the church is having to, to think through, okay, so then what does this mean for our single brothers and sisters to, to live life well as they are single and as they may even be facing kind of a, a lifelong celibacy and singleness? So. Yeah. So, and, you know, it's probably happening, especially I, I hear uh, 
churches that are in more of a metropolitan area are dealing with this even more than we are. Yeah. We're still a little bit, you know, we're in the Midwest. Um, so we're probably a little bit behind some of that curve, yeah. but it's coming. I mean, it's, it, yeah. it really is. Yeah. There's, a, there's an increasingly large single population for a host of different reasons. Yeah. So, you know, Morgan, you and I recently just finished preaching through this series on manhood and womanhood. And as we're talking about that, um, kind of naturally speaking, because the majority people, particularly here at Sunnybrook, are married, that when we talk about manhood and womanhood, it's really easy for us to kind of naturally put it in the context of marriage and parenting. But that's not the case in all situations. And I would even say the Bible, Paul is single, Jesus is single. Um, so uh, how does a how, how should a single person understand their gender roles, their very specific God-given identity, if marriage and parenting is kind of the most most common way in which we look at it? Maybe how, how should we how should we consider it um, in, in in light of the fact that there's a lot of people who are single? How do they how do they deal with that issue? I think as I think that is a two part dealing with in the sense of I think single people are going to have to figure out how to deal with that, and I think that family units in the church are going to have to figure out how to deal with that. So what I mean by that is I think that we have become very individualized in our society, which is. I'm in charge of my life and I get to make my decisions. And we do that, I think, as a church, we can kind of chalk it up to we do a better job at that, that we're not that because we do have this responsibility to one another in the body of Christ, but then we continually harp on specifically in the family unit. And so then what it can turn into is, but then family units are all individualized from one another and can do things their own ways and and don't have to really be open with one another um, because you're open with your spouse and, and you're open with your children and those are the primary contexts. So because of that, then you aren't, it eliminates kind of a responsibility with other people in the body of Christ. And so I think that's going to be something that both people are going to have to understand is that when we, we're going to have to take a really good look at what community looks like in the church and what God designed the church to be and what it looks like to be vulnerable with one another, to be accountable with one another, to be responsible for one another and what that means. And so I think that's going to be something that single people have to do in the community of the church and in the body of the church. And that won't be possible unless married people also say that needs to be done in the context of the church and in the community of the church. Because if not, single people are going to go to church and they're only going to be able to have community with other single people. They're only going to be able to talk about things that, um, like, like, am I allowed to talk about anything that has to do in a marriage context? Well, I'm a single person, so I don't know. So, you know, well, Jesus talked about things that happen in marriage. Paul talks about things that happen in marriage. Like, I need to know those things. I need to hear those things. Sure. I need to be able to work out what that means. Um, and so I just think we need to be careful about exclusivity, um, and I in, think, and depending in, on your in, family in, arrangement, I, I guess. I don't know. Well, how to really and particularly that. like an individualistic mentality. Yeah. 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 Sharon? I want to speak to the next one. Okay, so you don't want to talk about this. You don't. <laughs> well, I think I would like to say it in the context of the next. Question. The next, the next question. Yeah. Okay, no, that's fine too. So then, why don't I just move on to the next question? Um, so when you're dealing with um, kind of like single people, and uh, say someone who's single feels like uh, I know I'm supposed to be content with God, and but I still really long to be married. Like, what what advice would you give to that particular person who? Again, we're, we're we're talking about someone who is a Christian, so they they know down deep. I'm supposed to be completely satisfied with God. 
but I feel like I'm missing out on something. How, how do they navigate that, those difficult waters? Do both. I think our problem is we think we can only do one, one or the other. I was just listening to a book this week, and it just talked about seeing it, uh, a person in, in this novel, seeing an equal mixture of joy and sadness on their face. But I, and speaking from personal experience, I've been married for 29 years and single for 19. Would I have preferred that I, the marriage last for life? Absolutely. Um, but can I be content with the fact that it's not? Yes. Yeah. Um, when I became single, I had this attitude of, I'm not going to long or want no possibility of marriage. I'm going to be that First Corinthians 7 woman who is committed wholly yeah. to the work of the Lord. And I heard John Eldridge speak about the fact that if we shut off desire in our life in any area, we shut off desire in every area. But God has created us for desire. Yeah. You know, even desire to be in relationship with him. Yeah. So if I shut off that desire, then I'm even limiting the way that I can live in relationship with God. Hmm. So and I'm making a future plan for me that doesn't give me any room for God's future plan. Mm. So I think to be able to live content is really the best way to prepare for married life. Until we are content being single, we're not really ready for marriage because we will take into marriage the expectation that it will fulfill me and that it will do all these things for me. Fully. That, yes. Yeah, like it, there, that God is supposed to do. There's a fulfilling element, but it's not ultimately fulfilling. Right. Yeah. And so we bring baggage to the marriage when we come with that kind of, oh, I, I need it. I yeah. won't be complete without it. Yeah. And Morgan, you're single. Mm-hmm. So you have dealt with this. You both, I mean, I know how much you love the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know how much it would be a good thing for you to be married. So how, how would you uh, kind of deal with the same, the same question that I just asked, asked Sharon? What advice would you give to somebody who is uh, kind of in the, in the middle there? Sharon says embrace both of them. Anything else that you would add from your own personal experience? I would just say, typically, I think that when people think through that and you say embrace both of them, I think that as a single person that truly desires to be obedient to Christ and who loves Christ would say, I want to, I so want to, and it's still so hard. It's so hard because it really is. It says, you know, I know we've talked, Sharon and I talk a lot and <laughs> I love this lady and she's re- she is really smart. And um, we talk about how it says in the beginning, it's not good for man to be alone. And I think part of singleness that's so hard, and this is why I go back to the community and the church, is that it feels like aloneness, like you just are alone. And, um, And that's tough. And I also think that we are taught that, um, and I don't know, I don't think we're explicitly taught this maybe, but just kind of... I don't know if culture or if it's the church or something that's kind of put this in in this way, but it's this that idea of marriage, like because we describe who we are in Christ so much in a marriage relationship or a parent relationship that you can think that 
then you can't be a full person unless you have those things. And that's not true. And so then what does it look like? I think we need to be better about encouraging one another with what that looks like then as a single person and in the body of Christ, what that looks like. Not that you take away the family unit. I think you continue to talk about that. I think that's really important. I think God talks about that quite a bit. But then what does it look like for the church as your family? And I just think that's really important to know that it's okay that it's hard. It's okay that it's something that you cry about. It's, but there is this repent and believe that has to constantly happen that is, I really desire this, but some of the things that make me sad about it are not just the fact that I desire it, but I believe something that's false about myself because I don't have it. Yeah. And so I have to change that thinking and believe what the Bible says and trust what the Bible says. So that's kind of what I would this say. Is, this is where we have preached uh, inaccurately about it. Um, don't know if I've ever said this. Uh, I think I've thought it, but that there is uh, in the image of God, it's kind of like half of God is, I don't mean ontological, I don't mean in his being, but like half of God is male, half of God is female. And then when Andrew and I come together, this oneness, then I get back the half that I'm missing. That's not true, actually. Like theologically, Jesus wasn't half of a person. Um, no, 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 no. Uh, it's That's not accurate. Can you be complete and be single? Um, Jesus and Paul seem to say yes, but it does come with a host of its struggles. Drew, yeah. anything you want to add to this? Yeah, I believe I've wrestled with that as I've tried to teach and preach marriage well, this this whole idea. I, I do believe the reason that God designed one man and one woman and not man and man or woman and woman is because there it is true that um, each gender has is is I think has its own strengths in reflecting different aspects of God's character. And so when man and woman come together, that there is a little bit more of a wholeness of the character of God that can be displayed in that because each, each, yeah, each reflect God in unique ways. But I, I also, I don't believe that, um, that a person who's not married can't be a part of that. That that's, that's sure. why the church has both genders is yes. because as a church, we can come together and reflect those things. And so a single person isn't doomed. Now a single person who isolates themselves from the church <laughs> is going to be, is going yeah, to be in a hard spot. They're things. not going to be able to live out fully what that is, but a, a single person who's engaged in the life of the church still has a chance to do their part of reflecting and declaring the image of God in a, in a multi-gender, in a two-gender church, you know what I mean? So. Yeah. So, Drew, I'm going to ask you this question since you're uh, delivering the message on this topic. Um, so wh- how can the church do a better job being the church to singles? Um, yeah. what, 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 what do we need to hear? Yeah, um, you know, and, and, and Morgan kind of touched on some stuff earlier that I think is, you know, really helpful about the way we, um, that, that we don't as families make our own, like, like I should not just make my family, Amy and my kids, kind of my thing. And this is where I'm close and this is where I'm connected, that I see my church as that. Um, I think about um, Jesus's promise to his disciples whenever the, the rich man walks away because, because he can't leave his wealth to follow Jesus. And, and Peter says, Jesus, we left everything to follow you. And what Jesus says to him, and, and this really just struck me in the last year. I don't know how I didn't see this fully before, but where Jesus says, I tell you the truth that whoever has left mother and father and brother and sister and, and homes and fields or whatever for my, for my sake, for my kingdom, will not fail to receive a hundred times as much. And it's this line 
in this life and then in the next. And, and that idea and that, that in this life we get those things back. And what Jesus, I think, is promising there is the church. Sure. And, and so I think one of the most important things we can do um, is, is be the family that Jesus promises to his people. Um, that, that people who, for example, have the opportunity to marry an unbeliever and choose in faithfulness and obedience to not um, ought to still get family through the church and, and people who are wrestling with a same-sex attraction and choose to refrain from those kinds of relationships to stay holy um, that the church ought to experience or that the church ought to provide the promises of Jesus. And so we need to, I think, um, we need to, on, on kind of a more practical level, we need to be we need to have single people into our homes and include them as, as, as part of our church family in kind of family life. Um, we need to, I need to be talking with um, single guys as much as I'm talking with married guys about marriage things and about my own issues of trying to follow Jesus. I need to, um, I need to allow, allow guys into my home who can be a great example to my kids and, and who can be engaged with my kids and those kinds of things. I, I really do want to treat them in that way. So they're family, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Sharon, anything one, else that we can. One other thing I would say about that is what I said about being content and desire um, for the fam for the church family to be, to have that same attitude towards single people. Um, I had just gotten divorced a few weeks later, somebody came to me and said, oh, you should go out with. Um, you know, so <laughs> there was something wrong with me yeah, yeah. that I was now, yeah. something missing in my life that I was now single. Yeah. And I know that young people hear this a lot. If they're not married by the time they graduate, or from, graduate from college, oh, that is the thing that even other well-meaning Christian church people say to them. And so I think... We want the, those people to help us to be in that place where they see us as whole people who are content with what we want. And if God chooses to bring along a mate, great. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I, and I'll, I'll, I'll you know, let me respond to this personally, is um, my wife and I, in terms of how we function, people kind of laugh, but I don't even know how well, uh, like in, in, in the corporate context, Andrea and I are pretty much kind of doing our own thing if I can write it that way you know we're not just kind of holding each other's hands walking through the church on Sunday uh, I'll still meet people who'll go so who's your wife again and it's not that we're not close but you know we, we don't really have like this closed off um, situation and one of the reasons why is because of my commitment to the family and so I love to re remind people um, Andrew and I have uh, kind of consistently uh, tried to invite single people into our lives and Sometimes that doesn't function well when married people are oogly ogly married people and when they don't recognize um, if all they are are matchmakers. Hey, you know what? Look what I got and you need to have that too. And they don't realize that there is more that can be offered. So it, it, I think that is so critical in our life groups. It is good. Um, and in, our, in the life group that Andrew and I are a part of, uh, we had a, a, a single lady that was that was that was with us, and now we have another one, and it's really neat. Saying, "Hey, listen, even how we work with our life group, um, when we come together to eat, the women sit at one table and the men sit at another, so we can have some guy time and some lady time. Um, we don't just sit in couples, 
and it's it's good to kind of think how can we open up our lives um, to that. So, anything else want to add in terms of the how we yeah. can how we can make a difference, Sharon, and then well, and then Morgan. When the church does that, I think it's important to recognize that the single person has something to offer you as well. Yeah, and it, not that oh we're doing this for this poor person because they're single, but to value what they bring to yeah the relationships. Yeah, no, that's good, Morgan. Yeah, and I also think when you talk about like the oogly couple, I also think this can't happen, and this comes back to a marriage issue, this can't happen if there are unhealthy marriages either. Sure. Because, you know, I need, you know, Drew's my cousin, um, but I need Amy to speak to me. Mm-hmm. And then there are times that I need to be able to speak to Amy and Drew at the same time because I need to see his leadership of her and I need to be able to experience being led by him, not apart from Amy, but yeah, yeah. in a in a healthy way, yeah. um, because I do think that men and women display different characteristics of who God is, and so I think that's important to be able to be challenged. Um, so I just think that's kind of a thing. I mean, there are just it's, but I can't do that if Amy and Drew aren't right with one another. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's not going to work if their <laughs> marriage is screwed up, yeah. and if they are not in a working relationship with one another. So I think that's something that married people really, as you work on your relationship, to think about how can we how can we use that to disciple people even together and not just be married couples. I think that could be a thing that would be pretty awesome. So, Last question I have for you guys. Um, Drew, I'll begin with you again. What are some specific temptations that singles go through that you would, you know, kind of say, hey, be aware of this, uh, be on guard for this? Sure. Um, I think, you know, I, I think... You know, obviously, the, the the temptations are the same for all of us, and and one of the biggest temptations for everyone is just selfishness and a self centeredness. And there is something about um, having me having four roommates, three of them still needing some help brushing their teeth. You know what I mean? That that even though I can be a self centered person, God uses my wife and my kids to to strip some of that away from me. Yeah. Sometimes, I, you know, he drags me to more selflessness kicking and screaming like it's you know marriage just does that a little bit and and kids do that to you a little bit and and so um there are some some great advantages which i'd love to actually kind of cl- make sure we close kind of talking about some of the advantages to being oh, single okay but yeah, that, but good. on the on the on the downside like when you when you are living by yourself or whatever it can be very easy um to build a schedule around you and to build a life around you and to fall into, in, into some kind of self-centeredness. Yep. Um, we always struggle at our church putting together groups or classes for young singles because yep. it is so hard to get a group of young singles. This is kind of in general, but it's hard to get a group of young singles to agree on a time that works for all of them. <laughs> it's, it's a group of people who have spent 25, 30 years yep. building their schedule around what's easiest for them, you yep. know? Yep. And so, so, um, single people need to be aware of that and need to make sure that they are working to serve and working to um, integrate their life with the church. I, I also think um, single people need to make sure that they do not fall into a, a trap of self-pity um, because they're, because we don't believe that being single, that that's a flaw with you, that there's something. And, and I think sometimes the church needs to do a better job of reaching out to singles, but I think people who are single also need to do a better job of of reaching out to the church and not 
kind of shutting themselves off because I mean, I don't know that I can relate to these people and I, I mean, what yeah. are we going to have to talk about? And they can't even understand me that they, they, they're doing with their kids stuff. How can they even know what's going on yeah. in my life? You don't know what it's like to be me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and no, like you single people need to do the same thing of like, not, not isolating themselves, not being self-serving and, and, and those things just like, just like the rest of us, but it's just going to take, I think some added intentionality on their part because there's not, family to to make it happen sometimes any sharon morgan anything you want to add in terms of a kind of a warning to 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 singles in light of the specific circumstances that they find themselves in i think um a thought that i had even not too long ago was in these 19 years i've you know what i can be so thankful to god for is the fact that i've learned that he is my closest relationship and I enjoy that I can't say that I feel lonely I may be alone as far as we think of it in a worldly term but I am not lonely and I realized that one day a lot of single people do feel so lonely that when it comes to choosing a mate they are willing to sacrifice when God says we are not to be unified with someone who isn't like-minded as us. Mm -hmm. Well, if I were married now to someone who doesn't have the same commitments that I do, the same loves that I do, the same desires that I do, I would have to sacrifice those. Yeah. I'm not willing to sacrifice that. Yeah, yeah, and you shouldn't be. And and no one else should too, but yeah. sometimes that desire to be married overcomes and we get cloudy in our thinking and don't stick to that kind of thought and yeah. realize yeah. what we could miss. Any warnings, Mo? I would say the same thing that Sharon just said, and I, I agree with everything that Drew said also, but that, you, that, that t- there will be a huge temptation to settle. So I would just really, really be careful, very careful about that. And then I would also just tell people that when you, if you feel like um, somehow you're missing out on who God is, um, or I mean, I think that I know Drew is saying that maybe at the end of this, we're going to talk about some of the benefits and um, some of the good things about being single. And I think it's good to know those and to maybe even write those down somewhere because I, I was told, it was like a, not even a year ago, when actually Scott, who you guys heard last week um, on sexuality, he was talking about sex to single people. And he said, um, one of the things that he said was, there is no satisfaction in this world that is greater and more fulfilling than knowing God fully and being fully known by him. And I have found so much peace and rest in that, that I can have that. Um, I can have that relationship with him. So I just think that's something that. Well, and, I, and what, you know what I love about statements like that? Here's, here's where that statement, it's not just that that is something that I, everyone just naturally feels. It's that's a truth that we need to learn to appreciate, right? And that's the difference. So it's not just, huh, I don't know if I feel that way. So I wonder what's wrong with me. Well, you, I'm telling you, as you mature, you will understand the truth of that statement, um, whether you're single or not single. Um, 
Sharon, what 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 opportunities or benefits does either you can either focus on what the Bible teaches or even what you've experienced? Um, what 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 are some of the, the the things that you've noticed that by being single, this then becomes a, a way in which I can better serve Christ or? Well, just to expand on what I said a little bit ago, there are things that I enjoy about life at home. I, if you could see me, sometimes you would see me skipping down the hall. <laughs> and it is because Glad I'm not the only one. I'm with God there. Yeah. You know, and that's why. And I laugh and smile greatly. But then because of that, I have something to offer people. I can tell you what he means to me. Mm. And I can challenge it with you and that, you know, and I think I have something to invite you to mm-hmm. um, because I because of that relationship that I have with God. I, he truly is my husband. Yeah. The one who cares for my soul. Yeah. And I, I love your voice in in that. I really do. I love your voice to be able to speak in those circumstances and to those people and the depth of your spiritual maturity. And it, I'll, be, I'll be honest, here's the interesting part, right? I'm a married male, and I'm deeply inspired by this single female because we're both resonating around the same Jesus, right? The same spirit. And it, it resonates in me, and you truly are. I mean, I say this in all honesty. I've told you this before. You're an inspiration to me. You make my faith seem more real to me because if my faith is only kind of lived out by people who are like me, that would scare me to death <laughs> because I know I'm not everybody. And I love seeing faith, real genuine faith resonate inside other people. Morgan, what other opportunities kind of? I would say a couple. The first one kind of playing off of what Sharon said is that if you are willing to be open to this, that you do get to have such a tangible relationship with God. Um, I think that it is our tendency to go to people whenever we need something or whenever we are in in a crisis or whenever we're going through something that's hard, um, we tend to go to people. And whenever you maybe don't have someone right there with you, it it really is awesome to be able to experience going to God and him knowing things about you that even some people don't know because they weren't the first responders. He is, you know, and and so you really do get experience him caring for your soul, like she was saying. So I think that's a benefit. And then I think another benefit is um, I have my mom. I actually argued. So I know we're all about this orange thing here at Sunnybrook, which is parent, which is uh, the church and families partnering together. To and I am our a, kids. Yeah, to disciple our kids. And I'm all about that. Um, but we did an orange series of several years ago before I was on staff here. I think I was in college and I was coming back and my brothers and I left every time so frustrated with the sermon because it was all about moms and dads and married people and their kids. And I was like, I don't know why the heck, like if this is what God designed, then I'm not part of his design. That's what I felt like. And then I'm not part of that. So I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this information. And I remember my mom telling me, Morgan, the reason you're so vital to this happening is because this is not happening for everyone. And this will never be something that's actually going on for everyone. And so when I think about because I am able to kind of 
um, have a little bit more flexibility in my schedule and kind of, I have, yeah, anyways. So I kind of have a little bit more flexibility in my schedule. I am able to come alongside parents and because I know who Christ is and because I know his word, I can help them disciple their kids. I can do that. And there are parents that need that. That is, that is necessary for them right now in their walk with Jesus to be able to have someone to help them do that. And I can give myself to um, going to visit, a, you know, last two Februarys ago, I was able on Valentine's Day to go visit the widows in our church. And it brought me so much joy to be able to do that for them. And that is part of what the church is supposed to be doing, you know, because I didn't have, like, I didn't have plan, I didn't have to, you know, as a husband is like, I have to plan, I need to plan something for my wife. That's a pretty important thing to do. Um, I didn't have to do that. And so I was able to go care for people that needed it. I'm able to empathize with people who do feel alone. Um, I'm So I just think there are things about that, that that become really important. I feel like I've been able to be, we talk about the importance of the third voice as part of our discipleship when you're talking about with your kids. I've been able to be the third voice for a lot of people and and I find joy in that, and I feel like I'm being used by God in that way. And so that's been cool. And then I would also say this. I, if, you, if you were to talk to people um, as a single person, if you do open yourself up and seek the church and, and go to the church for your community, I really do believe you can find it there. And one of the coolest things is I feel like I have a lot of families in our church and in and in my church that I was involved in when I was in college and in my church that I was involved in in Owasso. And, yep. and I feel like I have these families and I feel like I am a part of their family in a different way than sometimes families are with another family sure. because I'm able to go through and experience a mom cooking dinner, doing laundry and a husband gra- wrangling the kids in the backyard. I'm able to experience those things with these families and it just naturally makes my connection with them closer. Yeah. And so I just think that's a benefit and a blessing. So, yeah. Drew, kind of let you wrap it up. What uh, what are some opportunities that you would give yep. to single people you'd highlight? When uh, when I first started dating uh, Amy seriously, kind of right out of college, I remember going to kind of a guy who was mentoring me a little bit at the time and saying, any advice? And I was expecting some awesome like dating advice and things I could do to woo her more or whatever. Um but, but what he said is basically you have right now, if, if things kind of continue as they are, you have about a year left of being single and then the rest of your life you'll be married probably. And so he, he just said, I want to really encourage you to take advantage of the time you have as a single person um, because that time is short. And there really are, he said, some, some crazy advantages to the, to the amount of time you have to be able to spend on your relationship with the Lord um, and to the amount of time that you get to to, to devote towards serving and towards ministry that, that are, you'll lose a little bit when you get married. There's, there's a reason Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7 that he prefers to stay single and that he would actually prefer for a lot of them in the church at Corinth there to, to stay, stay single. Way. He says, I'd prefer you to because uh, an, an unmarried person is concerned with the affairs of the Lord, how he can please Jesus or how she can please Jesus, whereas a married man is concerned with the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife or how she can please her husband, which sounds... <laughs> harsh and whatever, you know what I mean? But there's truth to it, that when you are married, you have more than one schedule and one life to consider, and, and you have to work through that stuff. And, and I've been, my family's been so blessed um, 
I'll honestly, I can honestly say by both of the women across the <laughs> table from me right yeah, now, Sharon and too. Morgan. And and Morgan says, you know, she's she has a more flexible schedule, kind of. She kind of had to pause. Well, not really. And the reason she has to say kind of and not really is because she has used the flexibility of her schedule to serve for the church issues. and yeah, for kingdom exactly, issues exactly. in ways that married people do not always have the ability to and, and sharing the same. And they have used that time well. And, and I would encourage single people, you might be single for the rest of your life. You may only have a year or two left. Um, so use it well and don't waste your singleness. Um, um, you, Paul tells Timothy, a single, a young single person, set an example for the believers yeah. in your life. And so he doesn't expect that you have to be married and 60 to be set an example for. Mm-hmm. Man, the, the girls, whenever we have uh, Morgan come guest speak or teach at the table, our college girls go it. crazy. It's like she's got this, just this fangirl section <laughs> because they are craving, they, they're, they're happy to get, they, they really do love to get to hear from married women and married men about how to live life, but they are also craving someone who will show them what does it look like for me to be godly and single and live my life well. And, and when Morgan comes and speaks, I mean, they're on the edge of their seat, leaning in and ready to listen. And, and, and single people have an incredible opportunity to set an example for other people around them by the way they use their singleness for the kingdom. And that's, and that's what I would be kind of my final encouragement. The big thing. Okay. Um, you know, it's interesting. I, when I was teaching at the college, um, one of the texts that I had students work through is 1 Corinthians 7, because that's where Paul gives some pretty strong encouragement. Hey, if, even if you've gone through a divorce, consider being single. Now, if you're going to, you know, burned with lust, it's better for a person to marry. And if you are going to marry, marry within the Lord. But Paul gives the admonition that you just gave. And I would give this to students. Every student that took that paper for their exegetical paper came back and said, my biggest shame is I never even considered singleness. Never considered it. To me, it was just not even an option. Um, and I would even admit that. I, I never considered singleness until I was married. And married kind of young. And, and, and again, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't change that. I'm very grateful for Andrea and for, for I think she's a gift of God in my life. Um, but even as Andrea and I talk about should anything happen to the other one, and um, I'm, I've been on the more relational needy side of things, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'd be married like within no time at all. And Andrea, I can see it in her, and it's a maturity piece. Yeah, I don't know if I would remarry. I think I would probably spend my energies and time elsewhere. And I'm, I'm kind of rethinking some of that stuff. You know, maybe I need to, to stop and to just consider just how fulfilling, as you ladies have described here, how fulfilling Jesus Christ is. I love the challenge you guys have given me today. How do I open up my life, my family, my home, my life group um, to, to, to kind of take in the fullness of who we are as a church? Um, man, I mean, Jesus is, is, is enough, isn't he? He really is. Um, thank you, guys. I really appreciate this. Um, it is helpful as a married dude. <laughs> it has been crazy helpful for me to, to kind of talk through this topic with you guys. Hope you guys have found it helpful as well. Um, we love you. And uh, we'll see you around.